Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unconfirmed, the podcast that reveals how the marquee names in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the inside scoop on what they see on the horizon. I'm your host, Laura Shin. Asset managers, ICO issuers, and other institutional players, it's time to safeguard your cryptocurrency. Partner with Digital Asset Custody Company, or DAC, purpose-built for secure, flexible, institutional-quality cold storage solutions. Learn more at digitalassetcustody.com. My guest today is Caitlin Long, who's working on a book about Wall Street and crypto assets and is the founder of the Wyoming Blockchain Coalition. Welcome, Caitlin. Thank you, Laura. It's an honor to be back. <laughs> yes, that that episode also was a fabulous episode for listeners who haven't heard it. We should you should go back and check it out. She talked about the new Wyoming blockchain laws. So I wanted you back on the show because, as listeners will know, this podcast Unconfirmed comes out overnight on Thursday nights, and so for that reason, I didn't get to cover the ICE backed news from last Friday. But it's big enough news that I did want to talk about it, and in particular with you, since I saw you had a smart take. But before we get into your views on what this means, can you just summarize briefly what the news was? Sure. ICE is the, it's a 10-ton gorilla, to be honest, in the financial market infrastructure. It operates many of the world's largest stock exchanges and futures exchanges and, and central counterparty clearinghouses. So when ICE announced that it is forming a company with a number of partners, including Microsoft and Starbucks and a number of hedge funds like Fortress and Susquehanna and Mike Novogratz's Galaxy Digital, BACT is going to be entering the cryptocurrency space. They called it the digital asset space, but we all recognize it as cryptocurrencies. And they are starting with a physically settled Bitcoin futures contract. And what does physically settled mean? Physically settled means in contrast to the CME and CBOE Bitcoin futures contract, which is which are cash settled, physically settled contracts mean that you actually deliver the underlying Bitcoin. And that's a huge difference because we've now gone from cash settled Bitcoin futures, which essentially just allow folks to speculate on the price direction but the all the claims are happening in cash. Now we're actually moving into a very different zip code, which is that the settlement is happening in actual physical Bitcoin. And, and I believe from reading the press release as well as the Fortune article about backed plans, I believe that that is connected to the partnership regarding payments with Starbucks, that backed is intending to be a big player in clearing and custodying physical Bitcoin. And when you say Starbucks, the Starbucks aspect will also be significant. How so? 
Well, that part is not as clear. Uh, what Starbucks did come out and say is that they will allow cryptocurrency holders to pay using their app at Starbucks, but Starbucks itself is not going to touch the cryptocurrency. It's going to be backed touching the cryptocurrency. So I looked at that and thought it's not that different from how Coinbase or BitPay or some of the other merchant processors are functioning now. They take the cryptocurrency, convert it into cash and deliver the cash so that the vendor doesn't have to deal with custodying it or accounting for it. It never even touches their financial statements. Hmm. Okay. So overall, that might be less significant in the long run, at least to start well, but I do think it is it is significant. Starbucks had had it's it's directionally significant. Starbucks had said uh, in in uh, I think it was January or February of this year that they were looking at doing their own coin. So that's not a surprise that Starbucks was around this, and they've been quite innovative with regard to payments. So the idea of being able to use cryptocurrency to pay for coffee is something that all of us are very interested in. And essentially what I read from this is that they are going to be partnering with BACT as a merchant processor. I find it very interesting that BACT is getting into this because to give your listeners who aren't familiar with ICE uh, a little bit more background, ICE is the owner of the New York Stock Exchange and everything else I just described. Those are all big institutional businesses. They don't deal with retail customers and individuals in, in most of their businesses. So it's very interesting that they're getting into retail payments. And I, I, I suspect that that has to do with the fact that they want to be a large custodian and clearinghouse of actual cryptocurrencies themselves. Yeah, let's keep talking in that vein about what this means uh, in terms of institutional players. So what do you think is the significance of this deal in that arena? Well, it, it, clearly, from a mainstreaming perspective of cryptocurrencies, this is a big positive. You've just had a 10 ton gorilla come into the cryptocurrency space. So there's validation that a lot of folks in the space have been craving. And the knee-jerk reaction was very positive. And indeed, there is a lot that's very positive. This is this is a, a regulated institution. It's, and the regulators are going to be comfortable, more comfortable probably than with the startups that are trying to get into this, break into the regulated space. Now you have a regulated player trying to break into the disruptive space and, and, and the regulators are going to be more comfortable with the incumbent. That just is a fact. Uh, and so that is going to help bring institutional clients into cryptocurrencies, which in, is, is going to be a big positive. But as I published in the Forbes.com pieces, it's a double-edged sword because ICE is one of the biggest players in rehypothecating assets and in securities lending. So if we create a de facto securities lending market for cryptocurrencies, that's going to create unbacked claims to cryptocurrencies that are off the chain. Uh, and and I, I triggered a lot of folks on Twitter about this very topic where it talked about fractionally reserved Bitcoin. And a lot of people came, you know, hit me hard and said, it's not possible. Everyone would be able to detect it. That's what Bitcoin does. The answer is no, of course, it is possible. Wall Street actually can do this in very large size because all of those, those Bitcoin substitutes are created off the chain. They are IOUs that have a counterparty and they're not 100% digitally escrowed with real on-chain Bitcoins. And, and there's frankly an unlimited amount of 
off-chain Bitcoin substitutes that could be created. And that's going to throw a curveball at the industry. And in fact, I think that's one of the reasons why the price has declined since then, because Bitcoin is designed to be algorithmically scarce. And there are only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoins. And effectively, what this ICE announcement is, is Wall Street coming in, starting to rehypothecate and create debt-based, fractionally reserved claims to Bitcoin off the chain that are going to be viewed as Bitcoin substitutes and offset that natural scarcity. Hmm. We're going to walk through um, what this means uh, in more detail in a second. But first, a quick word from our fabulous sponsors. If you're an institution managing crypto assets, you need a secure custody solution. Digital Asset Custody Company, or DAC, is the leading purpose-built institutional quality cryptocurrency custodian. DAC leads the industry in security and service. Experts in the tech, cybersecurity, and investment worlds, DAC's founders built the system that today's major players in asset management rely on. DAC is in production on over 90 tokens. Secure, efficient, egress transactions. That's DAC. Custody with DAC. Visit Digital Asset Custody for more info. I'm speaking with Caitlin Long about the ICE slash backed news. Okay, so I actually want to just walk through what this means. So in this kind of situation where you're saying that this would end up being more like fractional reserve rather than what people are more used to in Bitcoin and crypto assets where these are functioning more like digital cash, how would somebody be able to invest in this type of product in a fractional reserve way? Well, an an individual may not be able to do that. Or institutions. Yeah, it's institutions that that would. Institutions, the, the way Wall Street works, frankly, Wall Street makes a lot of its money, including ICE, which is one of the biggest players in this very aspect, which is essentially creating more paper claims to the underlying asset than there are underlying assets. And I believe we talked about this on your podcast previously, that the most shocking example of that is the Dole Food case, a Delaware court case that showed that there were um, 49.2 million claims, 49.2 million brokerage statements um, evidencing ownership of Dole Food shares, but there were only 36.7 million Dole Food shares outstanding. So <laughs> Wall Street ledger systems created one third more shares than actually existed. And you would not have been able to detect this from your brokerage statement. And this happens by all of the securities lending and rehypothecation and naked shorting and margin lending at less than 100% collateralization. There are lots of different forms of it that happen on Wall Street. And it's just the standard way of doing business. It's a big part of Wall Street's business model. And now with Wall Street coming in with a player that makes its money in part because of, of these kinds of financial instruments that that create that are created in excess of the number of underlying assets that uh, I think is probably coming to cryptocurrencies and we're now I, I sent out a tweet that this is now the beginning of the era of fractionally reserved bitcoins and, and a lot how, of people again that, scratch their heads how does that happen if like so for instance if I'm gonna kind of like let somebody borrow some Bitcoin, or if I'm an institution letting another institution borrow Bitcoin, Mm -hmm. then 
the only way I'm going to get it back is if they give it to me, right? So how can you, how, ah, how does that happen? You, I don't. They can give you a paper Bitcoin, a Bitcoin substitute uh, that, that, that a lot of institutions would accept as the real thing, even though it's not the real thing. And that's why, as Andreas Antonopoulos says, you only own your Bitcoins if you control your private keys. But the reality is institutional investors, because of the SEC custody rule, actually almost never control their actual underlying assets. And so they're, they, the way they're used to operating is that if the custodian t- tells them that their asset is there, then the asset's there. But almost nobody ever audits the custodian. And that's how you have the dull food situations happening the brokerage statement at the custodian says, yeah, I've got X number of Dole Food shares there. But what nobody realized is that the custodian was way over promising Dole Food shares. And to the institutional investor, that that Dole Food share was a Dole Food share when in fact it wasn't. And so there is an aspect of three-card Monty that is played normally on Wall Street. It is it's called rehypothecation and it's done in clearing houses and custodians in, in stock loan. And, uh, it's, it's coming now to cryptocurrencies and so, th- th- this just sounds risky to me. Well, it is. And I'll tell you why, because, uh, as I, I was talking to somebody on wall street today and she pointed out to me, this is the biggest risk is the ETH Ethereum classic chain split. And she's absolutely right. that. The value, when a chain splits, the value, if it goes to the new chain and you were naked short the old chain and you didn't get the coins because you were naked short and you, you weren't entitled to receive the coins, then all of a sudden you, you literally, the value of what you have drops to essentially zero. So I, I talked about this in, in, in the article that, that essentially a, a, a permanent fork of a chain could bankrupt an institution that has big exposure to the fractionally reserved versions of these coins. So they are, it's, it, this is more dangerous than, than the traditional Wall Street game where they can always run to the Fed and the Fed will print more money, or they can always go to the DTC and the DTC has some fault tolerance and, and they can handle failures to deliver of underlying securities. There is no such thing as failure to deliver in cryptocurrencies. And so if the, if the chain forks, institutions that are naked short, the old coin could literally go bust. And so why do you think they would risk such a thing? Good question. And it's interesting. The SEC did put out today um, on, on, on Twitter a public comment uh, period. Hester Pierce uh, uh, has solicited public comments. And I, I found it fascinating. Um, it's the Division of Investment Management asking questions about crypto funds. And, and if you uh, go to her Twitter account and, and click on the link, you'll see that they have had three responses and none of them have come from the crypto community. One came from Van Eck, which is applying for the, the cash settle ETF based on cash settle futures. Another one came from SIFMA, which is the Wall Street um, self-regulatory organization. And another one came from CBOE, which has the cash settled futures contract. There isn't anybody, anything coming from the Bitcoin and blockchain industry. So uh, I hope a lot of listeners actually fire up responses and start warning about things like this, because there is no lender of last resort for Bitcoin. It is dangerous to engage in these games. But I think, again, just to bring it back to 
the level set that, that lots of your listeners will understand. Why did the price correct after something that was supposedly so positive got announced? That's why, because the market now sees that there are going to be artificial Bitcoins created that are IOUs of Wall Street that are going to flood the market. And there's not even a limit to the number of these that could be created. And, you know, the CFTC should, in theory, put a maximum cap at 17 million. That's the amount of Bitcoins outstanding. But we haven't even seen them do that. So in theory, you could you could have an, an unlimited number of these paper Bitcoin claims floating around out there. That's going to suppress the price. Hmm. And just so I'm clear, when you were saying that Hester Pierce solicited comment, was that about the ICE news in particular or something else? Because I saw she had released um, that dissent on the ETF decision. Yeah, it, it, great point. It was not about the ICE news in particular. It, it, I, I suspect it's about the the ETF, but it, the website says engaging on fund innovation and cryptocurrency related holdings. So the ICE um, application is in front of the CFTC. The SEC obviously is a different regulatory agency. The two do have different jurisdiction, but they do work together sometimes. So it, it's just interesting that she released this today when all this ICE news is is being digested by the crypto industry. Hmm. So one other thing that I wanted to talk about, it's something that both you and I noticed, the Fortune article, which goes in depth on this news. And um, also, in it was in the press release itself, had kind of interesting quotes from one of the co-founders who I'm just blanking on uh, Jeffrey Sprecher, but I, do you remember what yes. his title? Oh, he's the CEO. Yeah. He's, he, he's the guy who built ice and basically he was the, 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 the David that took over the Goliath. He was the one who bought the New York stock exchange. Yep. Yeah. So in the fortune article, he says, quote, Bitcoin can't survive as a rogue idea to evolve. The cryptocurrencies need to run on established infrastructure. They need the trust and rules that have been built into our financial system for many years. They need the kind of trust that the big board represents. And there was another quote that he had in the press release where yeah. he also talked about they ha- how they have a track record of bringing transparency and trust to previously unregulated markets. And this struck me as a little strange, I guess. What was your take on these quotes? Like fingernails on a chalkboard. I think it's, uh, it's, 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 you, you noticed it. I noticed it. We chatted about it before we started recording. This is odd. And, uh, Bitcoin doesn't need trust. It, it is the epitome of trust and transparency. And Wall Street bringing a centralized layer is only going to create less trust and less transparency. And that's because you will not be able to track the magnitude of these paper Bitcoins, these, these off-chain Bitcoin substitutes. They, they're not trackable on-chain. It, and and it, it, it's just the antithesis of the Bitcoin ethos. And it raises some interesting questions. Yeah, where he, that quote about how, you know, he said that they were bringing trust and transparency. I was like, where were you during the financial crisis? <laughs> Touche. Well, and, 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 and to be candid again, you know, you, I, I looked up, um, the, the details behind the, 
Bitcoin futures contract, and it is going to be commingled in Ice Clearing US. It's not; they're not setting up a separate clearinghouse for the Bitcoin settled futures contracts. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Well, that means that all the existing customers of Ice Clearing US, which is Ice's biggest foreign exchange clearinghouse, and also does a lot of its commodities businesses. Now they're all commingled in with this Bitcoin credit risk, which we just co- talked about. I think it's, you know, in, in the event of a chain fork, there the loss severity could be very, very high. It could actually bankrupt everybody who's who is dealing in the old coin if all the value migrates to the new one. And there would be no way for someone who had uncovered exposure to to get the new coin, and so they'd be left holding the bag. And this is this is a risk that. I sure hope that ICE understands that the CFTC has covered and that the counterparties of ICE Clearing US who deal with it on a daily basis in foreign exchange and commodities and equities derivatives, the other products that are also part of that same clearinghouse, I hope they understand this. And, uh, you know, the financial crisis should have taught everybody a lot about counterparty credit risk. It's a lot greater and a lot more hidden that, than most people realize and I just find it interesting that ICE is taking this risk and commingling it with with its other derivatives business. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see what happens. I, I think they're launching this fall. Is that correct? Uh, they they said November. It's it's. I don't know exactly the regulatory process. Uh, those of us who have some sense of what that regulatory process is is that. Most likely they've been talking to the CFTC all along and that there won't be a public comment period, that they will do what CME and CBOE did with their cash settled Bitcoin futures earlier this year and just self-certify. There's a self-certification process for uh, for the um, exchanges and clearinghouses who are already approved. They can self-certify. Uh, and it, that's unfortunate. I really hope that there is a public comment period. And if not, I hope that the CFTC is at least listening to all this, uh, because the, those of us who understand Wall Street and cryptocurrency are definitely saying, gosh, this is, this is a risk here. And let's hope that, uh, the CFTC has the capital and collateral requirements very buttoned down. I, I, as I said in the Forbes.com piece, when you start commingling cryptocurrencies in an omnibus account, not only does that become a massive honeypot for hackers, but it it does put the organization at risk of a run on the bank type scenario, much less the chain fork scenario that we talked about. Uh, And it raises interesting questions for the customers as to how airdrops and forks are going to be distributed out to their customers. All of those things are, are questions that the regulators very much should handle before anything goes live. And all of those details should be publicly disclosed. And I very much hope that ICE and the CFTC do that. Great. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll keep following this story. Thanks so much for coming on Unconfirmed. Thanks. It's great to chat with you again. Thanks so much for joining us today. To learn more about the topics we discussed, be sure to check out the links in the show notes of your podcast episode. New episodes of Unconfirmed come out every Friday. If you haven't already, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you liked this episode, share it with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Unconfirmed is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Raylene Galapali, Fractal Recording, Jenny Josephson, and Daniel Ness. Thanks for listening. 